0: Everyone, welcome back to the Where you Feet Take You podcast. I am Kayla Bowker, and I am super excited to bring to you a new version of our weekly podcast. Here, these are podcasts that are going to be coming out about twice a month, and they are the ability for us to kind of bring a little bit more content to you guys and more special, maybe some specialists and professionals, age groupers, uh, people that love and share uh, triathlon and the passion we all have for it as much as we do. And this week, my, our first guest is someone that I have looked up to for a long time. We are both, uh, professionals on the Trace Pinas team. So we have a, there's a close connection there. Um, and it is Fiona. Moriarty. I just asked her how to say her last name and hopefully I nailed that. She is a professional triathlete living in Portland. And on top of being a professional triathlete, Fiona works as the director of content design for Salesforce. She is a busy, busy woman. So we're very thankful to have her on the podcast today. Um, she has had a very impressive year this year, coming in third at Ironman Western Australia and sixth at Ironman Victoria. She's kind of a long course specialist. So that's another reason that I'm excited to chat with her because that's a piece that's near and dear to my heart as well. She took her Kona qualification at Ironman Vittoria this year, and I believe this will be her first Kona World Championships as a professional, which is kind of the you know gold star, gold standard. Super exciting to have a Trace Pinas, uh female pro on that start line. So without further ado, welcome, Fiona. We're excited to chat with you today.
1: Thank you so much. What a, I'm blushing from that welcome. I appreciate oh. it
0: so much. <laughs> Well, it's the first time I've actually had to like really welcome somebody, so we're just gonna hope that I didn't butcher that too bad. Eventually, maybe we'll get better at it, but
1: <laughs> you nailed it. Uh, awesome. Very, certainly. yeah, awesome. All right.
0: well, before we we'll we'll kind of talk about your story here in a little while, Trath story, but I want to hear, you yeah, know, we've got Kona coming up in five, four or five weeks here. Um, how is prep for that going? Are you excited? It's your first Kona as a professional, professional, which is a whole different story. Um, yeah. How's it going?
1: So far, so good. I, I think it's been an interesting mental shift for me because for the past several years, the goal has been to qualify and, and Now I'm there, and in human nature, once you, if you're somebody who, like us, is type A, you want to, you set these high goals for yourself, and you strive and strive and strive to meet them, and when you do, sure, it's great in the moment, and I remember crossing the finish line, and Victoria and I, you know, all... Day long has just I put it out of my brain completely because it's almost like don't think about the thing because if you think about the thing then it'll never happen mm-hmm. and once I like let myself feel that a little bit maybe those fifteen minutes of of crossing the finish line and knowing that I did it was sheer joy and I didn't look forward beyond that but then once you know the next day it comes along it's like well i am going to go and I want to do my best. So I, that means I I want to give it my best. I I want to see what I can do. So the, the goal move very quickly from obviously showing up period to just, I want to go and race my absolute best and see what happens. I don't have an expectation on placing or anything, but like I am working my butt off to be the best version of myself that I can be. And these couple of weeks are some of my biggest weeks of training and it's unlocking some feelings and emotions and paces yeah. and things that I haven't seen, which is amazing and hard and challenging and all the things, so it's going well, it's going with a lot of feelings. there's well. a lot to
0: it, right yeah. yeah, that's I love how you kind of talked in there about this idea of there being that mental shift because that's something that I talk with age, a lot of age because I work with a lot of age groupers about that like it's easy to have that right? You accomplished the goal. So like you said, you qualified for Kona or maybe you race at Kona, like maybe we're even going past that, you race at Kona. And then it's like, well, now what? And making that mental shift to kind of, okay, how does that goal kind of change to be a little bit bigger is, is really challenging. So what had helped you to do that? Was it just that you were able to say, hey, this is just the next piece of it? Or did you have to maybe ask yourself more about like what do i want out of it
1: and it's not maybe it's just a bigger picture shift for how i now have to think about my career and that it it's never about the race like obviously you want the outcome of the race to go well but in each one of these blocks each one of these preparation phases for the race, I want that body of work to be better than the last time I tried to do this. I, and like that becomes the thing that I'm focused on. And then if I do that well enough, then I know that I all have enough confidence to deliver the best possible race I can, because my training has been that 10% or hopefully 15% better than the last time I did this. Mm-hmm. And that I think is the bigger shift than anything else. It's not it's not just the, okay, well the goal, the goal of making the race is no longer the outcome. Now it's just like, the goal is not the race anymore. The goal is, is to make myself a better version of myself than I was the last time I tried to do this. Um, obviously we all have a, you know, have a day when your stomach goes south or you're a woman, maybe you're about to to get your period. Mm -hmm. You just have a real bad day at the office. Like you can't control that stuff. But what I can control is the effort that I put into the details of each one of these builds. So maybe that's the bigger shift.
0: I love that. So focusing on, do you find yourself almost focusing more on, we always talk about focusing on the journey more, so to speak, and as really taking that big goal of now, Hey, I'm racing Kona as a professional, but in order to get the best out of myself, I have to find space within the process and these effort goals and along those lines and really kind of diving deeper into those pieces and to find, you know, to find that next version of yourself. Um, with that, you know, what changes did, did you make any changes to your training moving into this block?
1: Well, yes, obviously, taking a huge step away from my desk job is the biggest change because yes. I the clarity that that all came into focus when I stepped away from my job and the global level of stress of my life just went from like a hundred and fifty percent to a manageable amount because you don't realize how much you're timing yourself and every single possible thing that you're trying to fit into the day. And so that you have this baseline level of stress, at least I do, that I'm operating at about 99%. And when, like, when somebody almost backs into you in the parking garage or that there's somebody in your swim lane that's being a complete insane person and, like, swimming all over the place and you can't control them, that puts you at 125 instead of if you're starting off yeah. at, like, a 10. It gives you much more of a, a an ability to, like take the day in in a way that can be productive and you can still recover. But I mm. think when you're managing a job, managing being a partner or, uh, you know, somebody with a family, that's going to bring you at a baseline stress of almost a hundred percent before you add on the triathlon part of it. So that has given me the ability to absorb the workouts and like, just give every fraction of my energy and focus to these big beefy sessions that like I don't know if I can do it. And sometimes I can't, but I I'm getting it more at a percentage than I used to. And I'm doing it with an ability to then get off my bike or stop running or stop swimming. And I'm not running out of the pool to be back at my desk to start a meeting. It's just like, it's, it's night and day.
0: Yeah. And you, but uh, I mean, I su- my assumption too is like you, what you talking about, you're being able to absorb not only from a stress standpoint, but I know for me, like yesterday, I had a lighter day training-wise, but I had meetings from 11.30 to 4.00 straight. So yes, I was sitting at my computer, but I had to be on point all day. And I don't know about you, but that just mentally drains me. And it makes it really hard the next. to so like today, I've had a big training day because I don't take as many meetings on Fridays. And but I'm tired because I was so like mentally exhausted from and didn't feel like I was able to absorb. So I don't know if you saw a difference in there. Like, Do you feel like your recovery has improved because you don't have kind of that type of stress? Or is it just that you have the ability to pay attention to your recovery a lot better?
1: I mean, I won't really know until the until this grand experiment is over. Like, hopefully the proof is in the pudding, so to speak, mm-hmm. and I'm going to come up with some magic result. But I'd say as a person, I, I feel like a better partner. I feel like I, even things like I remembered to send my nieces something for the first week of school, which like, That's going to fall below the line on my priority list if I'm doing 17 other gajillion things, and it's not because I don't want to do it. I literally will not have the time to think about it and think about other people, which... It's going to make me sound like an asshole or a jerk, No, no uh, but I believe more, it I, I get it. <laughs> it's more like I I am I feel like a better person which then makes gives me more confidence which then makes me go execute my workouts better and then my brain is at ease because I don't feel like I'm dropping all these other balls so to speak. So mm-hmm. I, that probably not the answer you wanted but like it's something it was... that I've been reflecting on as yeah. as I've gone through this.
0: I think that's a beautiful, a beautiful answer because it's, it's true. I mean, it, it's so true. And did you decide to kind of take that sabbatical before? Um, I know, you know, just from following you on social media and everything that you kind of, you and your partner did a big trip, you know, kind of through Australia and then, you know, to Ironman Victoria. Did you step away p- before this or was it, hey, I qualified for Kona. I need to step away.
1: Both. Both. So it was... Australia, I only took a couple of days off work. I was working in Australia in the week leading into the race. And that's that not stressful feels, at all. <laughs> it always feels like a dumpster fire because the, the internet isn't stable and you're 17 hours off the time zone. And mm-hmm. like the amount of stress that then you're not in a stable environment of your house and you're trying to figure it out with the Airbnb and their, wi- their router is made in 1972 before the internet was a thing. So like, and on top of it, I, as you mentioned, my role is a director, which means that I have people that I'm managing. And fun. While I was out, it's great that we are tripling the size of my team, but that means when I go back, I'm going to be managing seven people, and that that puts more F, like more strain on my time. And so when I did all of these, you know, Ironmans earlier on, and was trying to balance the work and all the things, and I just thought. I have to honor all of this work that I've done and take more time off to like get into the race in a good headspace where I'm thinking about what I'm doing or thinking about nothing. It's either mm-hmm. think about the race or stare at the wall and be like a jellyfish because one, one of the two of those, is the state you need to be in, not like managing other people's stuff at work or trying to manage your household. Like it just yeah. doesn't work. So I, I, Salesforce has a policy where you get a week of sabbatical for every year that you've worked there. So I had seven weeks of accrued time and I just thought before Spain, I want to see if I take the time off leading into the race and my final big weeks of training plus travel. I'm just focused on the race. Will that help? And then it was like maybe in the back of my mind that if I do really well and I could get a Kona slot, like... I'll try and see if I can take all the rest of that time off through some magical company policy that I don't know about. Um, So it worked out for the best. I had to go back to work for two weeks, which like isn't a big deal in, mm-hmm. in this interim. But man, was that clarifying when I tried to go back to work and then people are asking you stuff and you're like, I, w- I want to go back. I want to go back yeah. to another time. So yeah.
0: yeah. So almost, yeah, like you said, kind of a big, because when you make big changes like that, sometimes it's hard to know. Hey, am I making the right decision here? Can I right? You're so used to being. You've been doing this for a long time, right? You're so used to being like you said on it all of the time. I know this is something I'm currently struggling with because my my coach keeps telling me, Kayla, you have you have to figure out how to recover, right? You have to figure out how to fit naps into your life somehow. Um, and it's really hard for me. I feel very guilty whenever I have to do that. I'm like, I should be, I should be on the computer or I should be going to pick my kids up from daycare instead of taking this nap. But then when you kind of realize, okay, this really is good for me, it's almost freeing a little bit. And I don't know, maybe, maybe those two weeks for you helped because it was clarifying, like you said.
1: It took me, I would say it took me about three and a half weeks to a full month to like, Wind take, down. <laughs> take the high achievement part, like the work part, and, and turn it down. Mm. And your brain is so used to having to make all of those calls. And then when you're not doing it, it's like, oh, God, I have to be doing something else. But the moment there is that feeling of like, ah, oh, I, I have nowhere to be. I just have to sit here. Holy moly, this is amazing. Like, it, it, it just feels so nice to not have a to-do list 17 miles long that... Feels like if you don't meet that by the end of the day, you are an, <laughs> a failure. <laughs> also, please yeah. perform at a at a professional level at a professional level.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's really cool, and it's definitely something like I said that's kind of was near and dear to my heart because it's it's conversations I'm having with my husband on a regular basis. Um, you know, so we're talking Kona here um, first. Kona for as a professional woman, uh, and it's the all women's field. Your guys are going to get the full meal deal. Um, you know, all the coverage. It's going to be all on you. I will tell you, I I raced there as an age grouper last year. And even as an age grouper, I loved that it was just women out there. While do I necessarily agree that they are splitting them? That's a side story that we could get into if we wanted to. I don't know. But it was really cool. So I'm excited to watch it. How are you feeling about it? Are you excited, nervous, what you thinking?
1: Giving myself the opportunity to feel Good. anything about it, other than like I am excited to go. I I'm thoroughly pleased with myself that I made that opportunity happen, and that I'm really going for it. Um, but I. I th- I think I just won't know until I get there. Uh, like I, I have a feeling the first day or two, I might have a couple of like teary moments of like, oh my God, we did it. But yeah, it's it hasn't really hit me other than, hey, I have to find a place to stay and I need to make sure I get there. <laughs> peace.
0: That's great though, because again, you mentioned how you you like really trying to focus hard on the process and the journey and, and, and putting everything that you need to put into it right now. And if you're thinking about something that's five weeks away, well, you're not paying attention to where you need to be right now. And so it's a golden golden spot to be in. Um, Awesome. Well, I think we're excited to kind of watch you for it. Um, Let's rewind the clock a little bit. I want to look at, you know, let's learn a little bit about you. How'd you get into triathlon? Um, You know, any athletic story you want to share? Yeah, just kind of rewind a little bit here.
1: Maybe I started preparing myself for triathlon by doing a bajillion sports A kid. I mean, I played soccer all the way through college, and then I started track in high school to be fit for soccer and then was better at track than I was at soccer. And that's like, the great irony of my poor parents life is they dragged me to every club soccer game and thing. Um, and I did a sport that was basically just buy a pair of running shoes and run really hard, um, (laughs) sad face. Um, but I also then did Irish step dancing, which like is is, is super athletic, just on top of everything was just very, it's a very explosive style of dancing. And I don't know, uh, those three things combined meant that my mom was driving me around in her, you know blue wind star with the automatic doors and I'm like changing in the car and like yep, trying yep. to do one sport and another thing and my cleat is half on and then my dance shoe is half on and I'm just eating gummy bears like really it prepared me for the the way I am now Love um it. and so then I ran track in college uh ran pretty seriously after school and then Just kept getting injured over and over and over again because I wasn't eating enough. And then the not eating enough just recycled and repeated. So I never quite achieved my potential when I shifted towards longer distance running. Um, And I started riding my bike to cross train for the said many running injuries and thought like, well, this is way more fun or just as fun. And I think I was so burned out from running that I just needed a break. And got I loved cycling. I had moved out to California at the time and uh, was also in a pretty crummy relationship. So I just started biking to get out of the house and then found swimming as well, which like when you're a slow swimmer, you can stay at the pool for a long time. For a long time. (laughs) And I just decided to like finally put the pieces together. I mean, triathlon is fairly easy to get to out in California. Like there's lots of local races and I did one and I think got third or something and I was not very good. Uh, You know, I I did the things one after another, but like, you know, probably moved up through three quarters of the field once I started running. And that, that point was like, oh, I feel like I found my thing. And I remember telling my ex-boyfriend at the time, like, I think I could be really good at triathlon, which I had no business saying that. I wasn't like, sure, I got third at a local race, but there was something inside of me that was like, this is your thing. And he laughed at me and I was like, oh, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I still get a small shred of joy every time I do Good. Free- oh. uh, <laughs> so that was my, that was my started to triathlon and all went uphill from there.
0: I just love that. I love that you, you know, right. You had this feel like the, it's, it's hard to explain sometimes to people when you just, you just know, like I can do something with this. I just need a chance and sometimes you have to back yourself and that sounds i mean that sounds like that's what you did you said i, I can do this we're going to figure it out and i that's just amazing and you know here you are ready to go race with the best in the world and you did
1: it i there was another moment that i was part of a pretty well known and big coaching group out in san francisco and i I, I knew I could be good and uh, this coach was it was one of the first times in my life that a coach did not like me I could not explain why I always gave 110 percent to every workout I mean I I was there three mornings a week and the guy couldn't remember my name and would constantly demote me to lower lanes and I was just like I don't I don't understand what is happening here I I don't know why you don't like me and I'll never forget how he one time put me down after I came back from, you know, age group world championships. And he told me I was never going to be any good at this. And then years later, once I had gone pro, you know, they had commented on an Instagram post or the coaching group commented on an Instagram post that I had done. And I was just like, That kind, that that is such good fuel to my fire. To be like, somebody told me I was never going to be good enough. Like I'm Irish, that is a direct that like that's a direct challenge. Yeah, I'm gonna meet it. Hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> like, thank you for that power up. It's just yeah, there have been moments I think I have had to bet on me, and it is really validating to continue to do that to ask for the space at work to step away from it and then to actually see those results come through and be like, okay, I feel validated because I keep taking chances on myself. And that's, that's pretty cool.
0: In that with taking those chances, because that's extremely powerful and it's really hard to do. Mm -hmm. Do you feel, is that something that you're just innately, you know, some people are just innately good at it or is it something you feel that you've had to work at?
1: I, I think you get better at it a little bit with age, but I maybe because I have always been a pretty extroverted, confident person. Like, in school, I was always the kid raising my hand, wanting to give the first answer, maybe sometimes to my own detriment, or I ran for president of my class, freshman, sophomore, junior year. I lost all three years and finally got it my senior year, which is really when it mattered. But like, there's, I had no business doing that. Why didn't I oh, I just stop? love that though. It's just like, I don't know. There's something in me that makes me feel convinced that whatever it is that I set my mind to stubbornly or not, that I should be able to do it. So even if I fail, I'll keep trying. I love
0: that. I mean, there's, I kind of got goosebumps when you just were saying that because it's, it's, it's so, it's something that's so hard to kind of find sometimes. And It's one of those pieces, like for me, that's what triathlon did for me. I was someone who did not have, I'm I'm an extreme introvert um, and gotten better at it, but I'm an extreme introvert and I had huge self-confidence issues. But when I finally stood up for myself and said, no, time to back me. I got this. It's amazing how much all of a sudden you can start doing it over and over again. And so I think, yeah, I, you just, you know, when you can kind of just believe, then you do. And eventually, the more you say that you're going to do it, you'll eventually do it. And you are living proof of that. And I think that's amazing and exciting Maybe, and so cool.
1: Well, yeah, that does make you feel some kind of way. I guess I've never really thought of it like that. But I have to remind myself, it it depends on the context, right? Like context is super important. When it comes to academics, I have never had a doubt in my mind that, if you give me a book, a paper or anything, like I have always been an academically oriented person. And I loved that stuff. And with sports, like I had, I was good, but always like, B plus a minus good sometimes on teams, like I would have to advocate for myself, or maybe I would get pulled in second string for like soccer and that kind of stuff. But I could work really, really, really hard. And so that the people that were probably that were significantly better than I was but didn't work as hard might not be then the best option because they didn't they didn't put the effort in. And so mm-hmm. I that mentality I have to sometimes check especially when it comes to swimming because I feel like folks who are oriented that way get frustrated with swimming because you put the effort in and you put the hours in and you want that like straight line trajectory of like hello excuse me i i ride my bike more therefore i get faster or i run mm-hmm. more therefore i get faster and with swimming it is like a totally different discipline and you need to find like your inner yoda or like meditation oriented practice to be like sometimes i just won't get faster i will just go and swim and what happens happens like it that maybe has been like the counterpoint to all of this like it's not something where your effort directly correlates to an immediate improvement and you have to be okay with it, which is pretty tough. Yes. Uh, tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: but you, uh, on that, your swimming has taken off. Like you've made some huge improvements in your swimming. Um, I, and I know this because you and I, usually I would pay attention to results and our swims were very, very similar. And now you're swimming under an hour. What changed?
1: What helped? that mentality is what changed. Yeah. Um and my my current coach is amazing in how before before anything, he his biggest goal was to get me to like swimming, which was like, ugh, <laughs> I'm never going <laughs> to like swimming. I just go to the pool and I just grin and bear I do it. <laughs> I thrash around for 4,000 yards and sometimes I swim really hard and, and that's what I do. Um but instead it was more like when we unpacked it all, I had some serious anxiety before I was even getting into the water because that feeling of not knowing if I was going to perform then makes you anxious. And when you get anxious, you get tight. And when you get tight, you don't swim well because it's like there's no fluidity in your stroke. So the first thing was, hey, Fiona, stop hating the pool so much because you think you're bad at it. You're not bad at it. You just <laughs> you just need to start with like, you're good at swimming. There are a lot of people who are much worse at swimming than you. So let's start Thinking that way, because that put me in a better headspace to then go and swim. And then he picked apart or helped me understand my stroke better. And I think a lot of folks lean on master's programs and master's programs are great. I'm not hating on master's programs. But when you show up and they're doing, you know, 50 by 25 butterfly, like that is not applicable to adult onset swimmers to make us swim better Ironman or half Ironman swims. Mm -hmm. I was Great. not doing a body of work at that like six hundred eight hundred one thousand yard like intervals at a moderately uncomfortable pace. I started using a tempo trainer because unlike biking and running. I had no feel for pacing and how my body should be moving in the water because everything just felt moderately hard. I swam 150 One short course. That's hard. Sometimes I swim 127s. That feels hard. It mm-hmm. all feels hard. So it was, it just was a complete reorientation of how I. Like, how I approach swimming, how I do my sets. Sometimes I swim with master swimmers, and they definitely kick my butt. But you know what? I've gone from being a 65-minute Ironman swimmer to I just swam a 57. And now I'm swimming regularly underneath an hour, and I feel confident about my swim. It's the thing I'm ranked to the highest in in PTO points, which, lol, is so funny to me because I used to think of myself <laughs> as a crappy swimmer. And now I just... I. I'm so stoked with the improvement because it makes my weeks go by much better when I don't yeah. dread going to the pool. It is possible to improve. It's more about changing your headspace as much as it is changing your stroke.
0: Love that. Love that. Because setting the intention of the session, even, and setting the intention of how you want to look at swimming versus okay, I just suck at swimming. I mean, I talk to athletes and clients all the time about how this idea is, our, our brains work in the space where it doesn't know the difference between reality and imaginary. So if you tell yourself on a regular basis, I suck at swimming, well, guess what? It's just going to believe that. Whether it's true or not, you could be the best swimmer in the world. And if you're telling yourself over and over again, you suck, eventually you're going to start sucking because your brain's going to believe it. Um, And so it sounds like you really focused on kind of changing that thought process from I suck at swimming, I hate swimming to something along the lines of I'm a good swimmer. I believe in myself as a swimming. What was that process like? Was there anything specific that you kind of honed in on? Or was it sometimes I mean, sometimes it's just a hey, I'm just making this change. I'm making this change. Um, but there was, was there something that really stuck to you that helped you to make that mental flip?
1: One was swimming with people when it made sense to swim with people. Um, I have friends here that I will sw- every Friday at like god awful early in the morning we go open water swim together and it is the thing that fills my week with so much joy because I there are no paces you just go and you swim out in the river with a bunch of people I went this morning and it was dark and I had just swam last night with the, like five thousand meter swim it was dumb of me to even get up at five forty five in the morning or five to make this swim because I knew it was going to be tough because of- being tired but the moment when we're all getting into the water together and even though it was dark we all filled our buoys with little lights and so we're swimming along in this very peaceful body of water and you see the like neon lights of the different buoys drifting in front of me and it was this very like wow this is so cool I like that bringing that level of joy to swimming was something Mm -hmm. that I don't think my brain could comprehend and so then I could see that swimming could be fun in these small pockets of ways. Whereas before it was like, if I'm swimming Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I'm going to swim by myself and I know I'm going to walk down three flights of stairs into this basement pool. Like the, I, I can even feel it in my chest now, just talking about yeah. it, of how anxious and just filled with dread I would be. But it, once I could see it, like, it's not all bad. <laughs> all I have to yeah. do is find people to swim with and like, bring small moments of lightness into this even if it's throwing gummy bears in my bag for like when inevitably i'm gonna feel tired like you can make those experiences even if they're scary have some moments of joy and that that took a lot of the like angst out of swimming for me which then led to progress and we love seeing progress so when we're doing better you (laughs) want to go do the thing and keep getting better so yeah it was uh, a bit of a, a bit of a jigsaw but finally seeing that Upward trend.
0: Yeah. Finding moments of joy. That's beautiful and very true because we can always find moments of joy. And when we really look at, like, okay, what allows us to find that joy? For you, it's, you know, these swims with these people that fill your cup. And maybe you're somebody who that joy is having a solo time because maybe you have family and you need quiet or you have a super stressful job. And if that fills you, you know, so starting to like, okay, what allows me then to feel joy with the piece that I'm struggling with does it opens up your brain to allow yourself to then find other pieces. So that was amazing. Thanks for sharing that. That was a really cool story. Um, It also ends in
1: donuts, which also helps. Like that's a nice, that's a nice little crescendo of the morning and it's only seven o'clock and you've had donuts, seen other human beings and Improved its swim. I
0: personally don't believe that you can swim without having a treat afterwards. It's just not physically possible. Treats always must happen. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Which gets me in trouble at the coffee shop because I spend all my money on coffee. Then, <laughs> but what, what 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 are you going to do about it? Um, Awesome. Um, okay, I want to shift gears a tiny bit and just ask a question on So, as we for those of us that are really pay attention to kind of the triathlon world, as we know the PTO has now come out with these new next year's going to be really full of these PTO distance races. And as somebody who is definitely a lot more dedicated to long course triathlon, like I you ha, I don't you haven't raced even a 70.3 in quite some time. How do you feel about these changes? What are your thoughts? Because um, it it's not really opening up anything new to you. I
1: really threw a spicy question in there. Um, yes. I have some strong opinions about this, and I will say, I talked to Laura Siddle last year, who is a, a wonderful human and advocate for athletes that is part of the PTO board. Um, but I think this change shows the brokenness of. Even the PTO calling themselves a professional triathlon organization because the change no longer represents a good number of us that focus mm-hmm. on the longer distance events. So if you they called themselves the middle distance triathlon organization, that would be a lot more genuine mm-hmm. because... It is now focusing on oriented towards incentivizing and paying out athletes who will be competing at that specific distance for whom those opportunities are focused on the same group of athletes. So what will end up happening is that the folks that have either come out of an Olympic program where they maybe made it or didn't make it are like cherry picked for perfection. It's just like Ashley Gentle times 10 of these Mm -hmm folks who are incredibly good at swimming, who are just going to continue to make that style of racing work for them because it financially makes a ton of sense for it to make sense for Mm -hmm. them. So they will continue to then get sponsorships because why wouldn't they get sponsorships from brands who want to be seen on the highest paid, biggest stages that are there? So for those of us who have been focused on something different, one, the points don't The points don't make sense. It's like that old comedy show, Whose Line Is It Anyway, where like the tagline was where the jokes are funny and the points don't matter or something like that. Like the points don't (laughs) matter for us who are on the long distance train because let's take Western Australia. I came in third. It was a great race for me. I got fewer points than if I had raced a middle Mm -hmm. distance event and come in 12th. I was third, the race was twice the distance. And I I understand strength of field comes into play where, like, the field wasn't that big. But I still think that there is a gross imbalance there where, like, the PTO handpicks a number of races where you can make more points. You might sign up for a race and it's not your fault that people don't show up. But it doesn't benefit you to race long because you can't race frequently because your event takes more out of you. So, like... One of my thoughts for next year is to shift to some shorter course racing because I can try, I can see what happens, but like, it just, the two systems are now completely divergent for those of us who are focused on the long distance stuff. And I can, I will do my best to give the middle stuff a fair shake, but like, it just feels that those decisions were made for the top 50 athletes in mind. There's no representation by anyone outside the top 50 for for these choices to be made fairly. Mm-hmm. And on top of it, like, they even stopped paying down to 100. So now they'll, like, the hits just keep on coming. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll stand get off my soapbox. But I have, it really, I found it super discouraging because I was close to, think I should be cracking about the top 90 at this point, but it doesn't matter because unless I'm somehow on a rocket train upwards to the top 50, my status doesn't matter. Or the the races I pick don't matter.
0: Yeah. I have a lot of similar feelings as a middle pack to new back-ish, you know, right? Just diving into this and it doesn't it it's hard because As someone who can kind of mix between the two, um, I'm definitely someone who can mix between the two different races, not just Ironman versus or full versus middle, but there's a love that I have for the full distance, but you're right. It it kind of makes you feel like you can't do it because then you're not going to pave your way at all in the sport. And for people who are kind of up and coming into it too, it, it gives absolutely zero benefit and help.
1: I mean,
0: I have zero chance, zero opportunity to even remotely get into any of these races to make the money to get the spot. Like it's just very challenging. And it was hard. You know, there's pieces. Yes. Okay. Okay. Now. So they have these. And so now all the top people are going to probably go to these seven or 10 or whatever races. And so, yeah, maybe someone like me can go to quote unquote cherry pick a race and try to come in the top four because there's nobody there. And maybe that will help get points in, but the points don't make sense. And it just feels like you said, it's not fully encompassing professional triathletes as a whole.
1: Because to them, you don't make money for them, Mm -hmm. which is exactly where it breaks down as saying that they are a professional triathlon union because a union Mm -hmm. works on behalf of all of its members. That's kind of the point. And so that's where I feel that, and here's another example uh, that I feel particularly that we are misrepresented or that we need a better way of representing ourselves. Let's take all of the, the hullabaloo around, you know, Uh, Lionel crossing this imaginary center line. If we had a board of athletes who would advocate for the athletes on our behalf to these racing boards, like that should be a thing. We should be able to say, look, the average standard width of an American road is 12 feet in one lane, which means 24 feet wide. The average width of a Finnish or an Irish road is eight feet, which means cut half (laughs) its Four feet, which is covered by bushes, and mm-hmm. so somebody's gonna be riding basically in the middle of the road. So to pass them, which doesn't have a line, you have to go on the other side of the road. So where is my representation as an athlete to go advocate for all athletes? Like that's what I thought the PTO was, and I feel sorely like uh, like the wool has been pulled over my eyes because. Mm-hmm. It's just not a thing. And so the small number of groups is getting more money. We're having less or as bad of like representation between races. And uh, yeah, it just doesn't seem like for folks that are outside the top 25. There's just a
0: huge, yep, there's a huge breakdown. And for me what I see in that space is especially and again I'm someone who's coming into the professional field. So trying, you know, jumping in news is my rookie year and what I, my biggest piece I'm seeing is I have a feeling if it continues this way, we're going to start getting less and less and less because making that jump is not feasible anymore. It it becomes harder and harder for that jump and especially in, you know, for women. Because it it just begin that jump becomes and then we're gonna see less professional women. And as somebody who has this extreme passion for triathlon, I want to see the sport grow. I want more women on that start line. I, I don't want I don't want fifteen women to be on the start line. I want forty women to be on the start line. But we're never going to get there if people like yourself, me, the the age grouper who's winning Kona but isn't sure that she can make that jump because it makes absolutely zero sense financially, right? We're not going to, we're going to stop seeing those jumps. I just, I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, I feel like there's some gaps and I, I don't know. I don't know what it looks like. I don't have an answer, honestly, but I just wish there was a better format for people that were just not in the top 30. Cause if you're not in the top 30, you, don't have any opportunity besides just go to races and pray that I mean I mean even so I I came in 10th at Ironman Mont Tremblant and that was amazing like I felt like okay I, I got close and I barely got any points for it even though I I broke into the top 10 and if to me saying you break into the top 10 of a professional sport that's great i mean you've been coming in the top six over and over again and you're barely hanging on to the top hundred and it's just not okay it's incredibly frustrating
1: and maybe if there was a little bit more transparency around like why races like are tiered in a specific way so that that specific race that gets me all heated is the long distance world champs which are associated with the wts circuit so it was in like It was in Europe this year. Um, I think Marjolaine Pierre came in first or second or something. So she got like a gajillion points. And the person who came in twelves got like 65 or 70. And having been like a card carrying member of like, hey, I got fifth place and it gave me like 40 points. It was mm-hmm. so embittering to be like, how did this person because this yeah. random race is a platinum diamond super like sparkly tier that I didn't understand I know, I know. or know about. Like, maybe I would prioritize it for next year. Unfortunately, that race is on my theoretical wedding date, so I can't go do it next year. But, like, how the heck are you supposed to plan for this stuff? It just, yeah, I I have talked to a lot of pros about this who are either slightly above, like, my ranking on on the chart and some, you know, around mine. And there are a lot of us that just feel like, would have been nice to have somewhat of a say in this decision, but what can you do?
0: What can you do besides show up and keep put up? I guess, keep trying, <laughs> <laughs> keep trying. Um, well, I appreciate talking to you about it because I think, you know, I kind of feel very similarly as someone who's, you know, working hard to try to get into that space, but feeling like I'm, there's just no opportunity and it's, it's very challenging. And it can be mentally frustrating. Uh, let's move on to something a little bit more exciting and more fun. You and your partner do a lot of traveling together with your van. And I think that's cool. It is so much fun. We wanted to do something like that, but it's very challenging with children. So I get to watch from the <laughs> sidelines. Um, how did you guys start doing that? Have you been doing that forever? Did you build your van? What do you, How does that look like?
1: Okay. The van was a pandemic project that I, I had not signed off on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a... It was like a theoretical conversation in our house. For example, like, oh, should we get some new insert, I don't know, something innocuous, like, paintings for the wall? And he was like, oh, should we do a, my partner's name is Josh, like, it would be cool if we did a van, like, a van build. Keep in mind, he is an engineer, he has a master's in business, like, his brain is all of the things that mine is not like, extremely tactical, likes to have big projects, likes math, like, all of these (laughs) things that I just can't and don't compute, sees objects in, like, three-dimensional space without actually having to see them in front of you, um, and is, like, dogged when it comes to projects like this around getting everything just right. So I thought, oh wow, yeah, that's a good idea in theory. And then in practice we were going to the enterprise rent a car place that happened to have a Ford Transit like two <laughs> days later. And he was like, we're getting a van. And I was like, oh my God, well this pay. was <laughs> well, okay. Um but he built like it was just a shell and there was nothing in there and he built everything. He has been told by multiple people like you should go into business doing this because it is so well thought through like everything is finished on the inside so it i mean it looks like a hotel room on wheels it has an espresso oh, that's cool. it has a bike tray that you know for folks like us some days we want to ride on road bikes some days you want to ride on your gravel bike if we're out in the woods and like you want to bring them all well guess what it has a four trip like four bike tray that pulls out it's just that's it is amazing. the encapsulation of him as a person and like it's also really nice for me because i did no work and i got all the benefits all from the him. benefit.
0: that's awesome so do you guys do you take where um you take racing just training camps sometimes just get up and go yeah
1: i i mean i i'm also gonna walk with this for a second because i need to plug my computer in so don't mind me um i i have we've now taken it to a couple of races like oregon 70.3 where we were Quite literally, parked at the finish line. So, so cool. mm-hmm. it was like wake up on race morning, and everybody else is up an hour and a half earlier than I am, and it was the best. Um, and then every year we go down to Tucson, so well, that's the worst best drive because it takes a couple of days, and then you yes. just pull over in the side of your van and like in the middle of nowhere in camp. It's it, it has enabled a lot of really cool adventures. That's awesome.
0: And that's part of what, you know, that's part of what we all like to do, right? We like to part of I feel like a part of people people that like triathlon also like selfishly love adventure. And there's something about adventure and triathlon that just really go hand in hand. Um and yeah. Well, if you ever need training partner, you're welcome to park our your van in our driveway. <laughs> and we can spend some time in Phoenix or vice versa. I can come down to Tucson because I now live very close to it. Um Cause yeah, I saw you guys spent like six weeks there, eight weeks.
1: So that uh, there, there was another change from this year. Portland is tough about six months out of the year, I'd say. Yeah.
0: Or if you November, lived in there this year, it was like nine months. It was uh, long. Yeah,
1: it it was it was really. really... I'm so sorry. <laughs> the internet. No just... worries.
0: <laughs> Luckily, it's very easy for me to fix those. I made a mark, and we're good to fix it. Um. <laughs> awesome. Well, and I know, um, okay, well, I know both of us need to go run here pretty soon. I don't know. I got like 80 to 90 minutes that I still have to go do and I'm not sure what you have, but um, (laughs) it is about 4 p.m. So we'll just kind of finish up uh, here really quick. What I uh, like to finish up is a little bit... do you, well, we'll have a couple of questions. Um, any plans, I mean, I know we've got Kona coming up, but any plans after Kona or just not thinking past that?
1: I, I might try to sneak in an end of season race. I don't know what yet. I haven't raced a half this year. It's not because I haven't wanted to. It's more like just hasn't fit into the schedule. So maybe I'll sneak a half in. Um, but I just want to, Take Kona and see it as it comes because I have to come raised- down
0: to Cabo, do Cabo yeah. 70.3.
1: And that is could not be set up any worse for those of us who do not fare well in the heat. I have been working very hard on my heat adapt- adaptation, but I will say, as an Irish person, that it just does not sound like a good time yeah. to me at all. Uh, I don't, I'm not I sure. found
0: Kona to feel way hotter than Cabo. I thought Kona was way hotter than Cabo personally. Um, but yes, you're right. It doesn't fare well for very hot.
1: (laughs) So i I better off going to
0: Indian Wells.
1: (laughs) Maybe that was my first pro race and I got a double flat and mile one of the bike.
0: Oh no, that's horrible. (laughs) Um, (laughs) awesome. Um, okay. Well in that space then, okay. My last question, well, two last questions mostly, but Someone I always like to kind of, a uh, big thing I like to kind of talk about here is kind of, you know, again, I mentioned how much I like to try to help people to really inspire themselves to stay in the sport or get in the sport or to chase crazy goals, no matter what it is. It doesn't have to be triathlon, but to be not afraid to chase really crazy goals. And so if you, you know, I love how you're somebody who's not afraid to set big goals and really go for it. So if you're to go back to kind of the beginning of your triathlon journey, what would you say to yourself? Like, Think about okay. You know, people always ask the question if you go back to your 16 year old self, what would you tell yourself? But if you're thinking you're talking to new triathlon Fiona, what would you say?
1: I mean, I think I'd just say keep betting on yourself. I can't, I, I kind of can't believe that we ta- already kind of distilled that into such a, cl- a clear point earlier, but something that I did right. And when I led myself the most astray or found myself feeling the most kind of distraught about what I was doing or how, what my next step should be, it's because I let someone else's opinion of what I should and should not do be the thing that drove my decision-making. So I, I just think have, have the confidence to do what you think you're capable of doing because you're the only one who can make that choice. No one's going to make it for you.
0: I love that, and I think I just, just discovered, told myself what the title of your episode is going to be. It's Fiona, bet on yourself, because I, I just this—it's one of the most powerful things you can do. And like you said, you you're seeing it all the time in everything that you're doing. You've repeatedly every time you've bet on yourself and stood up and said no. I I want this. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to chase it. You've achieved it, it and it's not all be because you stood time. up for you and the dreams and the goals that you had. In you can fail a million times. Eventually, you're going to achieve it, and I think that's awesome. And one of the reasons I think you're so cool. Um. All right. Well, we're going to end on that. But uh, where can people find you? Follow along on your journey. I know you've got a YouTube, Instagram. My
1: what I got. Like- like every other professional triathlete these days, it seems like um, I have a YouTube channel. Um, but the the title of the video series is Fiona Tacona. It is the first time my name has actually rhymed with anything helpful. Um, I, <laughs> I don't think it rhymes with anything else in the English <laughs> language, so that's helpful. And then my Instagram is Fiona Moriarty Tri, so it's pretty easy to find me there.
0: Awesome. Yeah, it's one of those things where... Triathlon as a professional and honestly even almost almost as an age group or two now, it seems like if you wanna be like if you wanna set yourself up to be a professional, you have to uh it's a it's a full time job. At, from a marketing standpoint, and it's very hard.
1: It's, <laughs> it's hard. very hard. It's time um, consuming and it doesn't always work. So you try your best.
0: Nope. <laughs> it doesn't. But, hey, we just keep showing up, right? Showing up and betting on ourselves. That's all we can do. Um, Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Fiona. I really enjoyed our chat. I loved learning about your story and kind of hearing, yeah, how, you know, you you stuck with it all this time. And I'm excited to watch you and Kona. I can't wait to see how it goes. Um, And I know the rest of the Trace Pinas family can't wait to see how it goes, too. I was really excited when you posted on the group page that, hey, you know, pro Pina going to, uh, going to Kona. And that's just really cool as someone who, again, is what the other Trace Pina's pro and has a huge love for the brand and everything. So, um, we're excited to follow you. Can't wait to see how it goes. And maybe we'll pop on afterwards and do a, a how did Kona go with Fiona, um, story and kind of see how everything goes. So best of luck out there. And yeah, can't wait to see how it goes.